We are going to talk about the state. I don't have a fancy title today, but we're going to talk about what's going on with those who are living and those who are dead. Are you ready for this message today? I'm really, really excited about this. I want to start today with John chapter 1, verse 1. I want to read this text because it gives us a uh, almost like a bio or description of wh what Jesus was doing before he became the Jesus that we know. We know that Jesus is God in flesh, right? Jesus did not come to existence on the earth. Jesus is the Son of God and existed before the foundations of the world. And John, the Gospel of John, among other different passages of Scripture, gives us an understanding of the pre, there's a good theology word here, theological word, the pre-incarnate Jesus. In other words, the, the before the incarnation, which is basically means when Jesus became half God, half human, fully God, fully human. I don't understand it. It's really too hard to understand. We'll understand it by and by. All we know is that Jesus is the Son of God. And before he came into humanity, we also understand throughout the Old Testament that Jesus shows up in many different parts of the Bible. He shows up uh, in the pre-incarnate way, the pre-human God way. But this text talks about before creation. I want to start off with this because I really want you to see something here. This is what John 1, 1 says. Bible says, in the beginning was the Word. You see that is a capitalized word. You see that? That's not a typo. Actually, in the, in the original language, in the Greek, it is emphasized of this title. This is a title of Jesus or description of him. He is the Word. Why is he the Word? Another text in the Bible tells us that Jesus is the expressed image of God. In other words, he's the, he, if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. He's like the representation, the fullness of God. We see who he is by seeing Jesus. In the beginning, uh, sorry, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. Somebody say word. Yeah, that was a good name for Jesus. He existed in the beginning with God. God, listen, watch this. God created everything through him. Through who? Through Jesus, the Word. And nothing was created except through him. Did you know that Jesus himself was the creator of the world? Think about that. Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit all had their hand in creation. In fact, the first uh, uh, verse of the Bible, or the first part of Genesis, really the first couple of verses, it says, Let us make God and let us make man in our own image. There was us there. But Jesus was the one who created it. The word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. I want you to see that there. That Jesus is the creator of life. He gives life. Life comes through God. And Jesus, as the creator of the world, in part with the entire Godhead, the entire family of God, the Bible gives us insight that Jesus gives life. 
Maybe you've heard this text before. This is in a different translation. Most of you might have it memorized in like the King James. Maybe we could just try it without even, don't be intimidated if somebody says it next to you. It doesn't mean you don't know much about the Bible. This is just one of those verses that a lot of people just happen to know. So I'm not going to read it word for word here. I'm going to do it from memory because most of you know this verse. So let's try it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. This is King James. And whosoever believeth in him shall not, excuse me, not perish, but have everlasting life. Right? Everyone who believes in him will have life. Look what else Jesus says about himself. I love Revelation, the book of Revelation is like Jesus' memoir. It's almost not really his memoir. It's like an interview about who he really is. He says, I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. Now, I want you to get this here because Jesus holds the power of life. That's why he promises us everlasting life. Not only through his death and resurrection, but Jesus is the sustainer of life. It comes through him. And what this verse says in Revelation is he refers to the crucifixion, to the cross, that not only did he have the power of life, watch this, he had the power to make himself die. Now, this is, this is, this is deep theology, small group study. We'll, we'll just smash it. I got I to be brief with this. I don't want to confuse you. I just want to make this as clear as I can, that Jesus decided to lay down his life and experience death so that we could live. And he says of himself, I now hold the keys of death and the grave. Now, if you go back to the first series, first part of the episode of the series, we talked about, excuse me, second one. We talked about sin, right, and what sin was and how Jesus defeated sin and the grave. And so Jesus now has a trump card. I mean, he's got, he's got the whole, the best hand you can have. Not only can he give life and promise his life, he has the keys and power over death and the grave. Now, that's deep. Considering the grace of Jesus that he allows us to live because the Bible says right that the wages of sin or the price tag of sin is death we're all worthy of death but it is by the precious grace and power of Jesus that he allows us to live in fact the penalty of death has already been paid the only reason you would die eternally is if you choose to because Jesus has already written and cashed that check it's just those who do not believe. That's why we read, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever does what? Believes in him. So I want you to understand that Jesus is the life giver and life is a gift from God. Nothing would exist without the gift of life from God. Not you or not even the evil person that you might think about. Not even the person causing destruction and harm. For in God's wisdom and his knowledge, he chooses to give life. The beans, the flowers, everything that we see and don't see. 
The Bible also talks about the unseen world. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that in part two. But I want to establish here, first of all, that life is a gift from God. Nobody, nothing lives without God. Nothing lives. Nothing is alive. Nothing has power. Nothing has anything without God. And here's what's deep about that. This is what's hard to think about. Because God takes responsibility even for those who he've gifted life who does wrong. Because some of you would say, well, we've talked about Satan and we've talked about where he came from and how he's a fallen angel. And some of you say, well, why did he just take him out? Why does he let bad people live? Why does he let those who do wrong, why does he still give them life? Why did he take my friend? Why did he take my grandmother, my child, my spouse? Why did he take them but then allow this person to live? The honest answer I can give you as a pastor is I don't know. And I'm glad I don't know. Because if I understood God's ways, I would be God. But the Bible says God's ways are higher than ours. And so he takes responsibility for the actions of those. He says, I will live with the consequences because it's what I choose. And God understands and navigates through that. But that's difficult because death is separation from God. I want you to just see the big picture here. I'm just trying to give you the big picture. That life is the breath of God. Genesis talks about how mankind was created. And it says that, that God's breath and the dust became a living soul. That the matter, the dust that we have, in other parts of the Bible it says that we return to the dust. In other words, when we die, our bodies decompose. They go back to the dust. But what makes us a, a person is this life from God and the matter that we have. Those two things together. I want to just, I wish I had a little bit more time, but I just want to throw some things out. Because I know some of you may think differently about this. And I have to say it in a quick way. I really wish I could sit down with you. I'm trying to get you to sign up for something one of these days. I really wish I could sit down with you and break this down. But let me just try to throw this out in the most simple way possible. We are not beings of matter that have a soul. Okay? This is not just my earthly vessel and I have a soul that is just in this body. And then when this body dies, I'm just somewhere else floating around. No, the Bible teaches very strongly that the breath of God, the life of God, and the body becomes a living, living soul. So a living soul is both breath and body. When either of those are separated is death. When those are separated, there is death. And you cannot, you cannot separate the two and be alive. Because the breath that you have, the, the pneuma is the, is the Hebrew word, is the, is the word for life. It is what we get our life from, from God. And so us put together is life. Death is simply separation from God. Now I'm talking specifically about physical death, but this applies to spiritual death. Because even in this world, there are people who are breathing and who are alive, but spiritually, they're dead. They have no 
connection with God. And it is not that God doesn't want, doesn't want it. It's that they don't want it. They resist it. The Bible even says that our natural state of thinking, our natural mind as humanity, Bible says, is enemies towards God. Our natural default, because of how corrupt we are, we will reject the very one giving us life. And so death is a separation from God. Now I want to show you a passage in the scripture uh, that's really powerful. And it's, it's a story where Jesus gives, interacts with someone who was dead and does something absolutely miraculous. If we're going to learn about death and what it means to, for the state of the dead or for those who are dead, what are they doing? Where are they at? What are, I mean, are they floating around? Are they ghosts? Are they in heaven? Are they in hell? What is going on? So let's look at this particular passage of Scripture. It's in the same book, John chapter 11, starting at verse 1. Now here's what the Bible says. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who poured expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. The two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. He already kind of gives a prophetic word here. I understand. He gets the message. Somebody texts him, right? Sends the emoji. I don't know if there's an emoji for I'm sick. It probably is. Somebody who knows it, show me. And so sends that. He texts back, hey, don't worry about it. It's not going to end in death. No. Look what he says. It happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. It says, basically, hashtag set up, all right? Hashtag about to do my thing. I don't know what the hashtag was, but he was basically saying, don't worry about it. It's going to be sweet when this is all over with. So although Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. I don't have time to preach this, but Jesus hears the word that we need you to come help, and he stays where he's at. Now, some people have difficulties about that, but think about it this way. There are some times when God is not telling you no, he's telling you wait. And there are some things that need to pass away in your life. There are some times you need to lose certain things. Because it's for his glory, and he understands what needs to happen. So he stays there. Finally, after two days, he says, all right, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus had some, some trouble in where he was going. But he said, look, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have light in this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling. They have no light. Then he said, to our, to, then he said our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. Somebody say asleep. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. So the disciples were like, oh, cool. All right, he's asleep. That's good. They said, oh, man, if he's asleep. He's, he'll soon get better. They're all excited. Great news. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. Death in Scripture is often referred to as a sleep. How many of you had a good night's sleep this week? Maybe just one night. You were knocked out. All right? When you are knocked out, you're knocked out, right? 
you are out of there. Nobody can, you don't understand anything. You maybe be dreaming or something like that, but you are asleep. You are unconscious. You are not aware of what's happening around you. And the death is often referred to as a sleep. And Jesus here fairly simply says, Lazarus had, uh, said to them, Lazarus is dead. He says, for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. Now, come on, let's really, now, for now you can really believe. Let's go see him. So Thomas named the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go too and die with Jesus. Now, look, I just, I just got to tell you sometimes disciples weren't that bright, okay? They just didn't get things the way they should. They were just a little bit anxious and they didn't know what to say. So you say, let's go die with Jesus. They, it was, anyway, I don't have time to preach that. They, part of what he was talking about was let's go back where Jesus was having trouble and let's get into it. Let's do this thing. Well, anyway, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for how many days? Four days. Now, in their day, a lot of the people believed that when someone died, their, their spirit kind of hung around for a few days. Three days. They really kind of thought this. This was kind of a superstition. And they thought that, okay, for three days, they kind of hung around. So Jesus waits until the fourth day. He's like, no, no, we're going to make sure there's no confusion about this. I want to make sure everybody knows when I show up, I'm going to show out. So Bethany, okay, I'll skip that. So Martha, the older sister, finds out Jesus is on his way. She went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Mary's upset. Mary's emotional. She doesn't really want to talk to Jesus because she feels like Lazarus wouldn't have died if Jesus shows up. Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if you had only been there, my brother would not have died. They believe that Jesus had the power to heal him. But she tries to give a spiritual answer. She says, but even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Martha interrupts him, says, he will rise. Yes, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. We're going to talk about that next time. We look comfort. Oh, sorry, that's not the part of the verse. She says, <laughs> he will rise with everyone else rises in the last day. Here's the point I was going to make here. We look for comfort with dealing with death. Isn't that true? When we lose somebody, we always look for something to comfort us. And Martha says, I'm comforted in the fact, Jesus, that he's going to, you know, in the great day and the great resurrection and all that, final judgments, I'm going to see him again. Now, listen, everybody, whether it is according to Scripture or is it according to God or according to something else, we all want to have something that comforts us when we lose somebody. Because death just feels out of our control. We wish we could control it. We wish we could have stopped the cancer. We wish that accident didn't happen or that person wasn't shot or whatever it is. We always wish we could prevent it. But there's something about death that's just unpreventable. Because it's a gift from God. It's his decision. It's his gift to us. And we all look for comfort. Now here's what I really want to settle down in. Because... There are a lot of things that we, that some people say, some of us say in this room, that are looking for comfort, but are not necessarily true. We want to feel comfort when we lose someone. We want to feel like everything's going to be okay. And there are a lot of common 
popular beliefs to things that bring comfort. But I, I don't want to go against somebody who's thinking differently. What I want to show you is that there's a different and deeper level of comfort. So I grew up on hip-hop. I mean, I really grew up on hip-hop before. How many of you know who this is? Who is that? Biggie Smalls. Now, I grew up with hip-hop, like the real hip-hop back in the day. Um, I, I could give you a whole bunch of lists. I don't need to prove my hip-hop pedigree. I don't need to prove my hip-hop degrees that I've earned, leaders of the new school, stuff like that. I'm talking about hip-hop, head. And so it was interesting because uh, when Biggie Smalls came out, he was a, a, a very interesting lyricist. And in fact, a lot of there are people who actually study his approach uh, as a lyricist and how he writes. And rhythm is really deep, some stuff on YouTube. But I remember, how many of you remember when Biggie got shot? Biggie Smalls was killed. Um, it was murdered. And it was a devastating time. For people in the hip-hop world. I, I heard the most when Pac got shot. I still don't believe that. That's why I'm not using Pac today. I love Tupac. And, and so when he got shot, there was a song that came out. How many of you remember that song that came out? Came out by Puffy. Puffy came out with a song. That was his boy. They were friends. Right? It was devastating to lose his friend. Puffy comes out with a song. And most of you have heard this song. But I want to play a clip of this, and I want to break this down. Because what Puffy's trying to do is find comfort, and I want you to hear what he's saying. Can we run it? Can we play the track? Are you good? All right, let's do this. All right, let's go. I know you're still living your life after this. It's going to come through the verse. I want you to pay attention to the verse. It's okay if you, you know, you can't help it. It's all right. I get it. I ain't mad at you. Like, I'm in church. This verse right here. Oh, well. understand what Puffy's saying, right? He, he's writing a song. He's making this composition about his friend. But I want you to think differently and understand where he's trying to find comfort. And in that second verse, strength. I mean, Puffy just went straight black on that verse. <laughs> Not strength, scrimp. I can't even spell scrimp, but I know what that means. Okay, I'm going to go... <laughs> I'm going to leave alone. Okay, I'm going to go back and break this down. Look what he says. It's kind of hard with you not around, right? I know you're in heaven smiling down. Has anybody ever heard that before? Has anybody ever said that? Well, I know 
they, they're in heaven smiling down on me, right? Watching us as we pray for you. Every day we pray for you. Now, I'm a little confused with what Puffy's saying. Now, look, I'm not digging at Puffy. I'm just telling you, Puffy doesn't understand this the way God wants him to understand it, the way the Bible teaches it. First of all, he's saying he's in heaven smiling down. What does that suggest? That Biggie Smalls is what? And where is he? It's suggesting that Biggie Smalls is in heaven and he's smiling down. I'm not judging Biggie Smalls. Have you heard a Biggie Smalls album? I don't know where Biggie Smalls was when he got shot. I believe that God is loving and powerful and merciful. I do not pronounce where anybody is. I refuse to do that. But Puffy is, um, is saying he believes that Biggie is where? He's in heaven and he's smiling down. That's what also he says. He says, watching us while we pray for you. Okay, now let's start with the first part. Biggie Smalls is in heaven, smiling down and watching. Who is he watching? I just want to know who he's watching. Now, now, how does he have the ability to watch everybody and see what they're doing? All right? Puffy's saying he can, he can watch us. He's watching us right now in the studio, in the video. He, he's looking down at us. Then he's saying, while we pray for you. So Biggie Smalls is interested in their prayer. Now, wait a minute. Why are they praying for him? I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying. We, we pray for you. Every day we pray for you. What are they praying for him for? What does that mean? I'm just saying, have you thought about this? I mean, we see it, it comes on, what, 107.3 all the time. But, but think about what's happening, what he's saying. He thinks Biggie's in heaven, and he's smiling down, and he's listening while they pray, but they're praying for him. What do they need to pray for him for? He's in heaven. Like, I, what else, do, what else? I mean, he must, he must have arrived, right? They, they probably should have been praying before this, but now they're praying for him. Now, do you understand the confusion? It's very confusing. Now, let, me, let, me just, let, me just, let me just talk about this. I don't want to upset some of you, but I want the truth to set you free about this. Think about this. When, when we believe, if we believe that people who have gone before us and have died are in heaven Watching us. Think about what that means. Do you really want those who you love watching you? I'm just, I'm just trying to have you think about this at a deep level. Because my question is, what are they going to see? Now look, I'm not talking about your personal business. I'm talking about the pain. I'm talking about the suffering. I'm talking about the destruction. I'm talking about you in the funeral crying your eyes out. I'm talking about the widow who's struggling to pay her bills and she can't pay her bills because her husband's dead. I'm talking about the mother who's buried one or two or three of her sons in South Central to gang violence in Chicago. I'm talking about the molestation, the rape. I'm talking about those things. Do you really think in heaven that people want to sit down and watch that? 
Is that merciful? Is that a, the kind of God we serve that God says, come up here with me, and I want you to look down and watch the rest of your family suffer? And I don't want you to just watch them suffer. I want you to watch every generation of them suffer. I want you to continually see the downward spiral of destruction and death. I want you to, God saying, I want you to sit up here and watch that. We look for comfort to try to reason why our loved one is dead. That's understandable. But I really want you to think about what this is saying, not only about them, but about God. Is he being merciful by bringing those to heaven to give them the gift of not only life, but this ability to see you. I don't know about you. But I don't think there's certain people who want to be seen. I'm just saying. Somebody could have got buried. Tragic, tragic accident. Lost a spouse. Got a new spouse. I just don't think they want that spouse there on the wedding night. That's, I'm just, that's just what I'm saying. I don't think that's merciful. I don't think that's a great, I don't think that's something that would give me peace. Would it give you peace? But see, Puffy is trying to be comforted. Look what the Bible says. Ecclesiastes says this. The living at least know they will die. But the dead know what? Nothing. They have no further reward, nor are they remembered. Whatever you do, do well. This is verse 10. For when you go to the grave, there will be no work or planning or no knowledge or wisdom. Jesus says, Lazarus is sleep. He's sleep. He, he's not alive. He's not watching you. He's not watching over you. He's sleep. Lazarus is dead. His gift, the life that he had has been taken from him. He's no more. But listen, he is still in the memory of God. Ooh, this is so good. Because when God creates someone, everyone is unique. Everyone is an expressed image of himself. And there is a memory of him. There is a code of you. And God is looking forward to the day to take you out of your broken body and reunite you with him where there's no barriers. There's nothing against you. That, that you can see him face to face with a brand new body. You won't need glasses. You won't, Sister Grizz, we won't need a wheelchair. We won't need that we'll have our brand new bodies fresh and the memory of us are kept in his heart but he says now I just want you to rest I want you to sleep I want you to wait and I'm, I want to talk about this it's important because there are a lot of people who are living in fear they're living in fear of being haunted of, of ghosts and vampires and all that kind of foolishness on, on Halloween people will be celebrating there's movies successful movie series there's The Walking Dead about zombies listen that's not just entertainment 
is a deception. It is a mindset. It's a lesson that is untrue that is being taught to people who don't know the truth. You might know the truth, but there are some people who don't know the truth. And they think that their grandma's living. Or they think that the person that used to beat them is haunting them. And they're afraid. And they're living scared. What you got to know is that life is a gift from God. And what I want to talk about in part two, you got to come back for part two. Let me just throw this out there. Because I'm going to talk about heaven and I'm going to talk about hell. I'm going to teach you from the word of God. Let me just throw this out there. If, if, if there is a burning hell where people are right now burning and tormenting in hell, that means they have eternal life. Think about it. That means they would be living, if there's such a thing as an ever-burning hell, that would mean they would also have eternal life. Does that make sense? No, it doesn't make sense. The gift of life comes from Jesus. And Jesus gives us, listen to this, more time now to get it right. Every day we breathe. Every day we mess up. God is saying, I want to give you another chance. The Bible says God has, wants no one to perish. He don't want that for us. So, resurrection. It's what Jesus offers. Look at the rest of the verse. So Jesus tells her, this is what he tells back to Martha, going back to John 11. He says, look, let me break this down to you. I know you're looking for something to comfort you, but let me break this down. He tells her, I am the resurrection and the life. Okay, I'm, I'm going to break this down. Just, I'm going to try to hold my peace. Jesus hasn't been to the cross yet. Jesus is telling her, listen, I am the resurrection. The resurrection is not an event. I'm trying to help somebody today. The resurrection is not an event. It is me. Woo, this is sweet. So when I come back again the second time, resurrection has to happen. Okay. He's saying, look, I, I'm so sweet with it that I'm, when people around me, stuff starts coming back. I am literally the resurrection and the life. I gave him life, boo-boo. I can bring it back. What he's saying, I can bring it back if I want to. And I let Lazarus die for you to see me do it. So you can understand that I have power to bring it back. The resurrection, the second coming of Jesus. What I love about this, I'm going to teach this in a couple weeks, that Jesus does not have to sneak back in the earth. There's no secret rapture. He don't have to go, psst, psst, psst. hey, y'all, come on. Hurry up real quick for the devil see me. He don't have to do that. When Jesus shows up, are you kidding me? It's going to be like Ray Lewis. Ah! He's going to kick the door open. Are you, are, do you understand how excited the angels are ready to come back and get us? They're like, come on, let us go, God. We're ready. Come on, we're ready to get them. And Jesus is coming like, ah! I'm back. I'm back. Let me finish this up. He told her, I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. Anyone, listen to me, who believes in me will leave even after dying. Everyone who lives in me 
believes in me will never die. He, she asked him, do you believe that, Martha? And I ask you, Martha, today, do you believe that? Listen, the same God who gave life has the power to give life. There's hope in the fact that your mother or your grandfather or your dad or someone that you love has passed away. Listen, they are sleeping. And we can only hope in a merciful God. And it's up to him. I love it that it's Jesus' decision that we must see them again. But the only person you can make sure is going to be there is you. So he says, do you believe in Martha? She says, yes, Lord. I I, she, she told him, I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come from the world. Listen to what I'm trying to tell you. Jesus is the resurrection so he can bring it back to life. He's not just talking about the life to come. He's not just talking about the eternal life. He's talking about what's going on in your life right now. You're saying your marriage is jacked up, it's gone, it's dead. If you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, invite Jesus into the situation. And I'm telling you that some things can come back to life. You don't feel like you have the energy you once have. You don't feel like your focus is on God. You don't feel like your focus is on your school or whatever you're involved in. I'm trying to tell you, God can bring it back peace in your home, harmony in your home, financial freedom. Look, even your physical health, Jesus can bring it back. What he asks is that, do you believe? Do you believe? Let me just tell you something. Every time I drive on the east side of Pasco, let me tell you something. I get excited about the fact that God can bring it back. No matter what people may say about this part of the city, what, no matter what people say about this town, we, because we are here, we bring Jesus to the city. We bring hope to the city. And it can always come back. It'll come back stronger and better than it ever was before. I just want to tell you, you may feel like you're broken. You may feel like things are messed up in your life. But check this out. Last time I checked, you're still breathing. That God knows the mess you're in. He knows the mess that you caused. And he's, he's still in his mercy is giving you life. He says, I'm not done with them yet. There's a purpose inside of them. I'm not finished. I'm not going to stop until I see what's them, what is in them being accomplished in the earth. Most of you know. I lost a very, very close friend to me, a brother to me. Last week was his birthday. It still saddens me. It still hurts me to think about him and how his life was ended so short, 27 years old. It doesn't make sense. But I understand something about it, that his work was accomplished in the earth. And I preach the way I do. I fight the way I do. I serve the way I do because I'm looking forward to seeing him. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? He stood in this very church full of cancer and he preached the best that he, with the energy he had. And it hurt me to see him. But every now and again, when I get discouraged and I get frustrated and I want to give up, I think about him and I say, you know what? You've done a great work in my life because he told me. He said, I thank God for cancer because it brought me closer to him. 
you hearing what I'm saying? So whatever it takes, God, whatever it takes in my life, I want to fulfill the purpose that you have for me. And that was enough for me to inspire, to preach this message every day of my life. Listen, those who have passed along in your life, they had a purpose. It may have been short to you. It may have been abrupt. It may have been painful. But God said, I have a work that I needed them to do. And you may not understand it now, but my decision is that I will remove the life that I've given them and they're going to wait from me. In the meantime, I don't want you to take this life for granted. I want you to believe in me. And as long as I've given you breath, you've got a second chance. As long as you wake up in the morning, you still have an opportunity. As long as you're here in this place, you might as well take advantage of it. You might as well go all the way. You might as well do what he's called you to do. You might as well show your gratitude and live for him and serve for him and give to him and show your appreciation and your worship for the grace that he's given in your life. Listen, I want to pray for somebody this morning. I just want to ask you to bow your heads, eyes are closed, really quickly. Cool,